0: Um, We wanted to touch base about a few things today. First of all, today is our Connect Fair, um, outside in the lobby after each of the services, and this is an opportunity for you to interact with all of the different things that are going to be happening in the fall, classes and groups, and um, it's an opportunity for you to ask questions and to get plugged in. Um, If you're not involved, in a smaller setting or past just coming on sunday mornings we know that that might not be the best track for you to grow deeper in your faith and so as a church we would love for you to be in a smaller setting in some way in this church so that you're connecting and you're growing deeper in your faith we've been working really hard to provide a whole lot of different things uh, for this fall there's lots of classes and we're going to talk about just a few of those in a second you can register online for everything at utown.org slash next steps, but also this morning go out there and talk with everybody, the different ministries, the different classes, and you can sign up at the tables as well.
1: I ah, missed my first cue. Can you believe that?
0: <laughs> <Stink>. Um <laughs>
1: I told him I was gonna steal all his lines to see what would happen. Um Youth, children's, all that stuff gets started up. Our, our team, KID, starts on Wednesday night. We need you to get registered for that. Our youth group has already begun there on Wednesday night. Our children's ministry on Sunday mornings in particular, that's, that's all there and, and, and up and running. We have also, uh, we're going to be offering a number of digging. I feel like I'm really yelling at you. I'm sorry. It's really loud. My bad. <laughs> we have a number of digging deeper classes. Uh, We have a number of a digging deeper class. Those are classes for us to get involved in on top of just community group. But digging deeper gives you a chance to come in and and, and do some some a little bit deeper study and different things. We've got seven different classes that are available. You can get information about that out at the Connect station or out at the um, ministry fair out there, and then we'll talk about them some more. One that I want to point out, men, I want to point this one out to you, men, on Tuesday nights, we are going to jump into the book of Romans together. I'm going to lead that to start us off here in a couple of weeks. Tuesday nights here we're going to launch into the book of Romans and I'm really excited about it I would love to have you join us so that's That was my first section. Go ahead, Mark.
0: (laughs) And if you're new with us, um, we have a Discover series, and Discover Uniontown is coming up in two weeks. That's if you're brand new and you don't know anything about the church. We would love for you to sign up and be a part of that. Um, Also, there's uh, Discover Family, which is our membership class. That starts next Sunday, so we would love for you to sign up for that. Uh, Community groups. I just want to say thank you. We gave that announcement a few weeks ago, and as of this morning, there are 17 new groups forming. (laughs) That's phenomenal. So if you want to be in a community group, please go to the community group uh, table out there and talk with them, and they'll help place you where you can go. Also, um, today, there are books in the seats in front of you, and we'd love for you to grab that. The first thing in there is the master calendar, the white page that you see, and that has everything we're talking about for the fall in there. Um, Also, this is the day that we launch our theme for the year. This is what we call Vision Sunday, and as a congregation, we take this journey together every year. Um, This year, our theme is Forward Together. The leadership here has been praying about, dreaming, talking, conversing, uh, all about what Uniontown um, should look like in the future. Um, So we're going to ask you to go ahead and grab that book, and then turn to pages two and three. The first thing we wanted to do was just celebrate a little bit of what God has been doing in and through you.
1: And before you can go to forward, you got to remember what God's already done for you, right? we gonna talk about that a little bit in the message here in a couple minutes. But, but when you look at pages 2 and 3, it's a little overwhelming to see some of the things that God has be allowed us to be a part of. Uh, a lot of your lives, God's allowed us to be, be a part of. So, so we've got 47 new church members uh, over that last fiscal year, we, we had 42 baptisms, we had 270 people join us at Discover Uniontown to find out what Uniontown Bible Church is all about, and then we had 381 people involved in uh, Digging Deeper classes and, and community groups, which which is insane, and we want to see that continue to grow, but we don't want to overlook that.
0: And we helped 61 families with the angel tree and we contributed over hundred and fifty two thousand dollars towards global and local missions we had a huge community event this year with our trunk or treat with tons of people showing up we provided over 360 bags of food to families in need and the list goes on and on and on and um, now that we're rapidly kind of growing and we've been dreaming about the future we wanted to give you 10 statements or we're calling them 10 intentions that as a church we want you to move towards that together we would move towards this Uh, there are things in here and you'll go through them as you walk through this but the first one is planting a fully autonomous church in a nearby town
1: that one's the easy one right (laughs) i'm trying to keep it real simple we we goal and a desire to see uh, uh, 80% of our congregation not just show up here on Sunday morning, but be involved in some type of smaller group setting, whether it be a community group or a Digging Deeper class. And and that's what we're going to keep pushing for.
0: We want to double our annual budget so that 50% of the income that comes in goes out to local initiatives, global initiatives, and church planting.
1: Um, Yep, we do that. Uh, Yep, I've missed my line again. I feel like we should be holding hands and skipping or something. <laughs> um, the big goal for our family ministry is, is that parents understand that, that they are the primary disciple makers in the lives of their children. And so for the next handful of years, we're going to be intentional about trying to make sure not only we remind parents of that, but we equip parents to do that.
0: So what we want you to do is to take this book. There's devotions in here. All the 10 intentions are in here. We want you to read through this book with us over the next couple of weeks. Um, You'll see on page 8, that's where uh, we start the intentions and the goals and the devotions. And we want you to be a part of that with us. Every day, Monday through Friday, there's a devotion and an intention to walk through, pray about, write down notes, think of questions. And then what we're going to do over the next several months is we're going to be talking about one of those intentions as we move along. This is not the leadership doing this. This is um, myself, this is Frank, this is you, the church, being the church. None of this stuff is possible if a few people do it, but the kingdom of God can be expanded in a great and amazing way if as a body of believers we come together and we move forward together to love God most and to love others best. Amen. There
1: you go. So now my, I got the next line. The next line is be spiritual and apply this. I love when Mark writes the script. So take your Bibles. Go to, go to Mark, I'm uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 14. Uh, this, this, is, this is a bit overwhelming, um, to say the least, because there's, there's nothing we personally can do to make all of this happen. Do you understand that? Um, if for a moment, any of us are like, well, you know, if we just employed this strategy or used this organization or chose to do it this way, then we would have instant success. And I will promise you the one thing we will not have is any success. Forget instant success. And so this is, this is a big deal. This is something that God's challenging us to. And so what I want to do this morning is, is talk about why in the world would we want to do this together? That's the part I want to focus on. Why do we want to do this Together. So so I don't know if you are the same as I am and my wife is. I mean, like specific, spot on, exact same experience. I don't know if you are familiar with the old magazine, the Highlights Children's Magazine. Anybody remember that magazine? That's right. Hey, Amen. And, and 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 I don't know about you, but we got to enjoy it in the dentist office. Right? Right. Now, for all you young people, Highlights Magazine was a little book that they wrote with little activities in it and stuff. It was geared towards children. And it just occurred to me that maybe I don't need to explain the highlights. I need to explain what a magazine is. A magazine's a piece of paper, kind of like this. It looks like that. Um, but there was one game in that Highlights Magazine that, that, was, that was regular. And it was this, this, this comparison. So they would put two pictures up. And at first look, you would look at it and go, the same picture right? Same picture. They're like, now spot the five differences. You're like, there are no differences. It's the same picture. And depending on how long you waited for your dentist, you found some of them, maybe not all of them, but uh, suddenly you'd be like, wait, he has shoes on in this picture, but not in this picture. The cat's happy in this picture. He's eating the little kid's face in this picture. Okay. <laughs> so you started. you start seeing the, the, the subtleties and what, and the idea of that, 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 that game was to spot the differences this morning I want to look at two stories and I want to start by pointing out some of the differences between these two stories although they're they're surprisingly similar so in Matthew chapter 14 Matthew chapter 14 I'm gonna start reading in verse 13 Jesus heard about it I'll talk about what it is in a few moments He withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. And when the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, had compassion on them, healed their sick. When evening came, the disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted, it's already late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. (laughs) <laughs> but we've only got five loaves and two fish here, they said to him. Well, bring that here to me, he said. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves, the two fish. He up to heaven. He blessed them. He broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. Now, those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides. Women and children. So let me, let me start. Let me, let, me, let me point a couple of key things out in this story so I can compare it or contrast it to the next story, okay? So, so here, the context, the background of, of what is happening historically at this moment. Jesus and the disciples just heard that, that, that John the Baptist had been put to death. A- a- and what you see is Jesus' reaction to John the Baptist being put to death. Verse 13, when he heard about it, He withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. This is really, it has to do with what I'm trying to get at this morning, but I I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't point this out. You you see the reaction of Jesus, who's personally experiencing the sorrow of a broken world. Here's the creator of everything, who, who saw his very creation rebel against him, and then watched as humanity chose sin, chose to bring the dirty fingerprints of sin into his otherwise perfectly clean and immaculate creation, and in so doing, brought death. And now that creator, Jesus, has felt the heartache that humanity feels oftentimes. In fact, I would say, Almost every single one of us, if not every single one of us, has experienced that sadness, that sorrow, because death isn't natural. It's not what we were designed for. We weren't designed for that separation. And yet, because sin entered into the world, so death has passed upon all men because all have sinned, Scripture tells us. So let me be really clear at the onset. Just that one very simple experience that Jesus had in mourning the death of John the Baptist is against the teaching that would say that as a Christian, you will never experience sadness, you will never experience hurt, you will never experience pain, you'll never have bad things happen in your life if you were really faithful. Sorry, if the divine, perfect son of God experienced it, brother, you're gonna experience it too. Now don't look for those things. <laughs> but we're gonna experience them. A little bit more on that a little bit later. So, so there, he's, he's mourning the, the death of John the Baptist. He goes to be alone. The crowds hear that Jesus has, has tried to escape, and the crowds follow after him. And when, when the day ends, so it's just a single day, but when that day ends, uh, he says to the disciples, hey, hey, um, the, the, the crowd, oh, I'm sorry, no, he doesn't, the disciples, I, got, I already got the stories mixed up. The disciples come to him and say, Jesus, the crowd has been with us, we're in the middle of nowhere, we, we, should, we should let them go and get food, or else you know it's getting late, so let's, let's get them out of here. And Jesus says, okay, why don't you feed them. In the Greek, the word you is emphasized. So when they come to Jesus and says, what are we going to do? He says, you, you're going to fix it. So you, you feed them. And their response is, what are you talking about? We can't feed them. Um, In in, in John chapter six, the disciple Philip in the, the retelling of the story actually says to Jesus, Jesus, listen, it would take a half year's wages for us to get enough food for everybody to take a bite. Jesus says, yeah, you gonna fix it? We don't have anything. Oh, wait, Jesus says, what, what do you have? And they respond, we've got five loaves and we got two fish. I don't care how big the loaves are or how fat the fish are. That's not a lot for this many people, right? This is a lunchable. It's a lunchable. The disciples are like, listen, we, we've got nothing. We can't, we can't take care of this for these people. Jesus what do you have? Five loaves, two fish. And Jesus' response to them is, give them to me. Give me the five loaves, give me the two fish. And in this story, Jesus, Jesus blesses the food, he breaks the loaves, he gives it to the disciples. And the disciples then head out into the crowd, distributing the food. We're told in this story that the crowd ate until they were satisfied. When they were finished eating, the disciples go back into the crowd and they collect leftovers. Leftovers. And they bring back 12 full baskets of of leftover food. And we're told in the story that the number of people that were were served at this lunch was 5,000 men. That doesn't count women and children. Matthew makes that clear. That was just counting the men. And it wasn't like all the men showed up and the ladies stayed home. So that's this story. Turn your page to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Just to set the stage for you, I'll go ahead and start reading in verse 29. It says, moving on from there, I'll tell you what that is in a second. Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee. He went up on a mountain and he sat there. And Large crowds came to him, including the lame, the blind, the crippled, those unable to speak, and many others. They put them at his feet. And he healed them. The crowd was amazed when they saw those unable to speak talking. The crippled restored. The lame walking. The blind seeing. And they gave glory to the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me for three days and they have nothing to eat. I want to send them away. I don't want to send them away hungry. Otherwise, they may collapse on the way. The disciples said to him, (laughs) <laughs> Where could we possibly get enough bread in this desolate place to feed such a crowd? Hey, just, just, I need to throw this in here. You do realize Matthew 15 immediately follows Matthew 14, right? Okay, just, just pointing that out, that's all. Where could we possibly get the bread we need? Jesus' response is, how many loaves do you have? Well, seven, they said, and a, and a few small fish. After commanding the crowd to sit down on the ground, Jesus took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, broke them, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples collected the leftover pieces, seven large baskets full. Now there were 4,000 men who had eaten, besides women and children. And after dismissing the crowds, he got into the boat, and he went to the region of Magadon. So here Jesus has been healing the people who who have been following him for for three days. He's just had this interaction with the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are constantly challenging him. This time they come to him like, man, your your disciples are defiled because they're they're not washing their hands. And then Jesus responds to them. And one of my favorite interactions is the disciples then come to Jesus after this interaction with the Pharisees and Sadducees gets a little heated. I mean, it's a little... I mean, too many of us are like Jesus, meek and mild. He, uh, <laughs> not with the religious elite, with those who thought themselves to be righteous, he made it very clear that they weren't. And he says to them, oh, okay, and he throws it out. Here's the long and short of it. At the end of this interaction between the Pharisees and Sadducees and Jesus, the disciples, you think, were probably kind of quiet along the walk for a moment, and one of them pipes up. It doesn't tell us which one, but one of them pipes up and says, "Hey, ah, uh, hey, Master." Um, You do know. You really offended the Pharisees and Sadducees with that, right? Yeah, he knows. He goes to the mountain. He sits. The people are brought to him. And we're told in the middle of the story that the people have been with him for three days without any food. (laughs) Jesus asks, What do you have? Well, can we feed them with? And the disciples again say, "We we we got nothing. I mean, we got we got seven loaves and a few small fish." Which actually, my, my favorite translation of this passage says, it "Doesn't say a few small fish. It says a few teeny weeny fish." <laughs> so you're talking you're talking sardines. <laughs> and Jesus gives thanks for the food, breaks the bread, gives it to the disciples who then gives the food to the crowds. And it says again, the crowds ate until they were satisfied. Lunch is done, the disciples go back out, and they come back this time with seven large baskets filled with the leftovers. Matthew tells us at this event, 4,000 men, plus women and children, ate that day. We're, We're talking two very different miracles and yet very similar see unlike the highlights magazine we're not looking for what's different to find the point we need to look to see what's similar we need to see what these stories have in common so what do these stories have in common each story shows us the compassion of Jesus as he looks at the crowd. He looks out on the crowd, even though life has been tough. He's lost a family member. He has lost lost somebody. He, he really, really loved and respected and appreciated and was an important part in his life. And that person, John the Baptist, was beheaded by the king. And, and who knows, Jesus may be next. So this is kind of a stressful situation, right? And and he tries to go alone, and yet the crowds find him. And, and, and in Matthew 15, it's uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they're coming after me pretty hard and I'm, I'm fighting with them all the time and I turn around and this oh, this a brokenness of humanity is ever before me and instead of Jesus retreating, instead of Jesus telling the people at this one moment, hey listen, I just need some me time. I'm tired, I need a nap, you should go home. He looks at these people who are demonstrating right before him the very brokenness that sin has brought into his perfect creation, the brokenness of physical ailment, spiritual ailment, ailment, demon possession, all of these different things, and he looks and he sees them, and when he sees them, he looks at them with compassion. You, if you've been here a long time, you know that's one of my favorite words in the Greek. Splagnizomai. does that sound cool? Splagnitzomai. Particularly when you know what splagnizomai means. Splagnizomai means a strong emotion, a feeling of deep sympathy. To have your inner being or even your bowels stirred up. What a delightful definition. Splagnitzomai. He looked and it was, it wasn't just, oh, that's so those poor people. It was, oh, those people. Both stories show us the compassion of Jesus. Both stories show us how little the disciples had. Here's this great need in the crowd—a very real and practical need. They need some dinner. They need some lunch. They need some some food. And the disciples really are genuinely unable to help them. All they've got is five loaves and two fish in one story, and a few uh, uh, seven loaves and a and some teeny weeny fish in the other story. That's that ain't gonna feed. That ain't gonna feed an adult man. Forget a crowd of more than four thousand people. So they would be absolutely right in saying to Jesus, "Feed them with this." That's not false humility. That's real lack of ability. But Jesus' question is, so what do you have? What do you have? I know, you don't have everything you need to fix this problem, but let me ask you, what, what do you have? Well, basically nothing. But Jesus has a solution. Cool. Bring me your basically nothing then. You, you give me your little. You, you give me what you barely have. And when you hand it to me, what's gonna happen is, multiplication. I'm going to take the little that you have, you are going to give it to me, and I'm going to multiply it in such a way that it's then going to be able to be used in the lives of these people to meet their true and absolute need. And I am going to multiply it so much that I'm going to take the teeny weeny little bit that you have, and I'm going to multiply it so big, there's going to be leftovers. So what are the lessons from this story, these stories? Let me, Let me. I got a couple extra minutes which I'm actually surprised by. You should be too and really nervous because when I recognize I have extra time, I really like to use it. So lo- look at the, 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 the um, let me find it. Here it is. This is actually, it's kind of funny. So one of the lessons we can learn, this is again a side lesson, is well, quite honestly, how dumb we are. Like I said, Matthew 14 is immediately followed by Matthew 15. In Matthew 14, the disciples are like, I got five loaves, two fish. I just fed 5,000 people and I got leftovers. Fast forward a chapter, turn the page once, and they're like, oh, no, people are hungry. What are we going to do? Okay, you think it's bad? Guess what? Turn the page again to Matthew 16. <laughs> I, I groan like that, and I'm going to get to heaven. They're going to be waiting for me like, yeah? Really? Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's look at verse 5. I'll just start there. The disciples were on the boat with Jesus, and they said this interaction with the Pharisees and Sadducees, and Jesus, actually, I'll start back in verse 1. I should start back in verse 1. Jesus says to the Pharisees and Sadducees, who had tested him, asking him to show a sign from heaven, he said, when evening comes, you say, it's going to be good weather because the sky is red. In the morning, today's going to be stormy because the sky is red and threatening. You know how to read the appearance of the sky, but you can't figure out the obvious signs that are right before you. I, that was my translation, in case you were wondering. And he left them and he went away. The disciples reached the other shore. They, oh no, verse 5. Oh, look what they forgot. They forgot to take bread. And Jesus is teaching them, and he says to them after this interaction with the Pharisees and Sadducees Hey, guys, listen, watch out, beware the leaven, of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And the boys are like, Oh, you can see him walk to the corner. They're like, Oh, did you hear that? Jesus is talking about leaven. It's because we forgot to bring bread. <laughs> Aware of this, which is, I think is an understatement, Jesus said, You have little faith, which is a much nicer way of saying, You morons, but that's okay. You have little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves? You don't have bread. Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many large baskets you collected? Why is it you don't understand that when I told you beware the leaven of Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about bread? Well, then, verse 12 says, well, then, then they understood that he had not told them to beware the leaven in bread but the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. We are fools. We need to be reminded of what God has done for us in spite of us, through us, in front of us, so many times. We need to learn to see with the eyes of Jesus. We need to be compassionate like Jesus is. And you have to learn to be compassionate, it's not a natural thing. Um, every Sunday, There are men and women who come to this place. They sit among us. And to say that their hearts are broken is an understatement. It's their hearts, their soul, their lives are broken. And yet they can slip in here, go unnoticed because we're living in our comfort zones. We're we're among our souls circle of compadres that we like talking with or with our friends and and if we're not careful we miss, and and new faces, absolutely we miss the new faces, but we also miss the lonely that God has brought into his house with the expectation that his children would be his hands and feet in their life. Uh, To be compassionate towards people takes investment. It takes time. It encroaches on space. Compassion comes with a cost. So, so as it relates here to Unitown Bible Church, you got to come into this place intent on engaging and serving one another and being compassionate towards one another because it's really easy to slip into your normal seat, sit down, and just be like, blinders on. I'm here. I'm going to stare at the back of this dude's head for the next hour, and I'm going to get out to my car as fast as I can. No, no, no. Here's a real easy application of how to demonstrate a compassion towards people. And sometimes you don't even know that they need compassion. Here's here's an easy one. Let's take the first five minutes after the service ends and go see somebody else. Now I know, sometimes I have a little trouble landing the plane, I get it. Sometimes you gotta run out of here as soon as the service is done, completely get that. But what if you were committed for that last five minutes of uh, our time together to, to greet the person with the unfamiliar face to approach the person, man, it's been a long time since I've seen you. Or the most difficult, I should know your name and I don't. Right? Five minutes can make an impact for people. There's people within this place who need you to demonstrate compassion to them. But even more than that, there are people outside of this place who need you to demonstrate compassion to them? How, how do we meet those needs out there? How do we meet the ones with the, 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 that we really don't have answers for, the drug addictions, the broken marriages, the abuse, all of the different things out there? How do, we're only one church in one little rural area with limited experiences, with limited opportunities, with limited resources. What do we do? I got five loaves, two fish. We bring our little we give each and every opportunity that comes to us right to Jesus. We, 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 we take every re- resource we have at our disposal. And let's be honest, many times the resource is pocket lint. Jesus, this is all I got. And Jesus says, well, that'll do. Because he can make it much. He can multiply it. You know why? Because little isn't very little when Jesus gets a hold of it. What do you have? So he says, bring it. Bring it to me. How's that for a simple call to arms? What do you got? Bring it. I'll use it. Um, and when you do, when they did, the crowds were fed. Both passages say they ate until they were satisfied. Let me, let me point this out. This is really important. That, that satisfied actually means they were filled full. They were stuffed. in a a community, in a culture, in an age where people didn't eat to get full. They ate to survive because they were in such impoverished situations. So so to be able to push back from the table and be like, whoa, I haven't eaten like that in years, that never happened. But here, Jesus is like, there you go, I'm going to take the little that you have and I'm going to make it extravagant and I'm gonna make it a lot. And those are all fantastic points, if I don't say so myself. However, the most important thing that you can't miss is this, not only did both stories point out the compassion of Jesus, not only did both stories point out the little that the disciples brought, not only did both stories point out the multiplication that Jesus did on the little, not only did both stories point out the fact that there were leftovers, both stories had another character or two or 12, they were Jesus' helpers. The disciples were involved each step of the way I mean, they made their way. Jesus blessed the food, prayed for the food, gave thanks to the food, broke the bread, gave it to the disciples. The disciples then had to put it in baskets or something and walked through this massive crowd distributing the the bread, distributing the fish to to all of these people. And I I don't know this for a fact, so I'm going to stand way over here so you know this is my creative license. What's that like? So go ahead, you're a disciple. You're going to distribute this food to these very hungry people, and you know that it started with five loaves and two fish. OK, I ain't going to make it past the first row. And there's only six of you here. So you walk, and you're like, OK, well, here's your food. Here's your food. How long does it take before you're like, wait, food? Check this out. Food, more food. It just keeps coming. I mean, what is happening? And then you can tell why, obviously, why I was born in, when I was born and not a disciple, because Jesus had been like, oh. <laughs> Each time that they handed somebody the food that they needed, they were reminded about how able Jesus is to meet needs that we could never possibly meet on our own. And Jesus gave him a chance to to be a part of this. He didn't need any helpers. He demonstrated that when he turned the water into wine. He didn't need the disciples. Like, okay, hold that still for me. He didn't need helpers. But he let them help. Why? I think for a few reasons. First, they were allowed to see firsthand how the brokenness of this world affects his heart. We could learn from that, couldn't we? Too often the brokenness of this world turns us into Skeptics, cynics, angry Facebook posters, conspiracy theorists, rabid political followers. Instead of seeing them the way God sees them, as he weeps with those who weep and mourns with those who mourn. He feels the brokenness that sin has brought into this world and it moves him to action. It moves him to compassion. It moves him to splagnizomai. There's absolutely nothing that you can do, that I can do to fix all the brokenness of this world. And that, that's another reason why I think he allowed the disciples to help them along every step of the way. There was nothing they could do to fix the problem. There was no patch big enough to cover the big gaping hole of brokenness in the, in the human experience. There was no self-medication that could possibly fix it. There's one answer and only one answer to humanity's greatest problem, and his name is Jesus That's that's the love of God demonstrated for us in that this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us. We we didn't love him. It wasn't like, oh, they love me. Let me do something nice for them. No, no, no. God loved us and sent his son. But somehow, in his graciousness, in his kindness, he allowed his disciples to play a role, to be a part to splash around in the kindness of Jesus in the crowd. And I hope you understand that's the heart of what we're trying to do here at Uniontown Bible Church. We, we believe strongly that God was very clear in his word. In fact, Jesus answered a very specific question. What's the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and that, that, that's love God most. And man, that's what we want to do as a church. But he didn't stop there, did he? the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God most. Love others best. You can't possibly love others best unless you love God most. And so as we head into these intentions, these desires, these hopes, these goals, whatever you want to call these things, in the kindness of God, in the graciousness of God, if we bring him what we have, as meager as it may seem, as pathetic as it might seem, he'll allow us to be a part, to play a role. He'll let us carry the baskets. So let's do it. Let's do it. Pick up your part of the basket. And let's do this together. And all along the way, let's stop and remember that it's not us. He doesn't need us. And yet he invites us to join him in this. Even though we may feel like we're completely out of our depths. <laughs> he's glad to have us trust in him. And he's trustworthy. And man, I'm excited. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm terrified. You read some of these things. You're like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little crowded in here, so maybe you'll read this like, I ain't going back. Cool, we need some room. That's all right. See you, I love you. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I know? I know. I was reminded this weekend by very good friends of mine. I know that God has worked in my past and done things in my past and allowed brokenness in my life to be healed by the, the love of Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's the most important part. But the way that God has worked in my life, He has somehow navigated through all of my 49 years of life and led me to this place to stand in front of you right now with this giant mouth that He has blessed me with. To join in this together with you. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to jump into this with y'all and laugh when we screw it up because we're gonna to learn but then to stop and reflect and celebrate that God has allowed us to be a helper so pick up your basket Father thanks for your goodness your grace your, your sense of humor <laughs> the fact that this seems like a great idea is crazy to me you're compassionate and you love people And you continue to give us opportunity to serve people. So, Lord, help us to do that well. Help us to have creativity, ideas, understanding of how to do these things. We don't know how to do all this yet. We're going to trust you, though, because we're going to give you our our loaves and our fish. We look forward to seeing what you're going to do. God, I pray in this process that we would be humble without having to be humbled. I pray that we wouldn't allow our focus to slip off of you and to come onto us because we are nothing. It's you. (laughs) It's you. It's you for us. It's you for the community. They need you. So kick us when we need to be kicked. Hold us back when we need to be held back. (laughs) Open our eyes to be reminded of what it is you've done for us. And then, Father, I pray that we would be absolute joy-filled warriors for you as we carry our basket and do the work of our God. Thank you for Jesus. We know he's the answer and he's the reason for everything. So it's in him we give you thanks. Amen.